Homebase Nation is the official podcast for Homebase Program for Veterans and Military Families, a partnership of the Mass General Hospital and the Red Sox Foundation. The secret sauce for me is the cohort, right? People say, well, why do we even need a home base? You know, isn't this the VA's responsibility? Isn't this government's responsibility? Well, it is, but the VA treats individuals. Home base treats the individual and the family and the cohort. And if you think about our time in uniform, you don't do anything individually. You're in a cohort. And the two-week intensity of the program with individual therapy, group therapy, yoga, tai chi, I mean, you name it, mindfulness, off-duty activities, time at the hotel at night in a group, that kind of accountability and healing and brotherhood, sisterhood in with these groups, I can't even describe it. I mean, I got choked up. I'm getting choked up now just thinking about it. To hear veterans stand up and say, I've tried everything. I've been to multiple programs. I've done inpatient. I've done outpatient. I've done government, non-government. I've done sub, I've done it all. Nothing has worked, but this works for me and my family. That, that to me was the light that said, let's see if we can even do more with our partnership at home base and with the other partners in the Warrior Care Network, because a lot of people misperceive Wounded Warrior Project as being a bunch of clinics where warriors get treat, treated. We don't have clinics with doctors in the clinics. We partner with you to provide that service. So it's the best symbiotic relationship of meeting warriors where they are and helping them heal of anything I know. And I've been around government for a very long time. You can't see it, but behind our guest in his office is a big flag that shows the classic Wounded Warrior Project logo of one service member being carried on the back of another. We have the honor to be talking with Lieutenant General retired Mike Linnington, who served 35 years in the U.S. Army prior to taking on multiple new roles with new service to his country and all of our veterans and military families. General Linnington served as Director of Defense POW MIA Accounting Agency and as the Military Deputy to the Undersecretary of Defense. He's commanded combat operations in both Operation Enduring Freedom and Operation Iraqi Freedom. It was actually in 2011 when he called upon our own Brigadier General Jack Hammond, seeing great leadership and operational skill, and at that time Colonel Jack Hammond, to bring his plans directly to the top officer, four-star General David Rodriguez, the plans to bring multiple bases together to secure Kabul and Afghanistan. Almost 10 years later, our own leadership at home base with General Hammond, along with Chief Operating Officer Michael Allard, is able to create the best practice care for veterans and their families with the encouragement and support from Wounded Warrior Project. In the summer of 2016, General Linnington took on job as CEO. And at that time, he intended, and I'll quote, squeeze every nickel of every dollar into programs that matter most for the warrior. Those programs were and continue to be focused on mental health treatment, the invisible wounds, traumatic brain injury, and post-traumatic stress. I'm excited to share this conversation with General Linnington, who believes hands down that making any impact on this community of military families requires trusted partnerships in care connection, coordination, and of course, delivery. We are joined by Brigadier General Jack Hammond and Michael Allard to talk about this symbiotic relationship and how COVID times always brings a need for some improv and adaptability. General Linnington is a genuine guy and as affable as you can get. 
and after talking together, I can really see him carrying our own wounded warriors on his back, like that flag behind him, in the same way he did on command. So thanks so much for joining us for this conversation, and we'll see you on the other end. Settling scores All you're gonna get for your trouble Another madman at the door Hating might win a battle, boys Love will win the war General Mike Lennington Hello We're really excited to, to have you on the show, as they say, and uh, a real partner that's uh, you and the you know, Wounded Warrior Project are, are people that, that we see as, as a more than extended family. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's really wonderful to, to connect with you sort of in person right now and heard a lot about you. And um, so thanks for being here. Well, Dr. Hirschberg, thanks for having me on. I hope I'm not on mute and I hope you can hear me great. And it's good to see my good friend, Michael Allard. And I know Jack Hem is going to be joining us soon, but uh, I will tell you, um, I'm thrilled to be here. And uh, watching from afar before I joined Wounded Warrior Project, the great work that Home Base has been doing since I think 2008 or nine, maybe even sooner than that. And um, you know, now this partnership with us in uh, helping heal the Invisible Boys of War, uh, it's a fantastic initiative, and I'm really proud of our relationship. As as uh, the doc, uh, the non-military guy on the call, um, I have had four years of experience at home base, and I've been blown away by the community and what home base has done. And I know it's uh, uh, preaching to the choir here, but the partnership and relationship uh, with uh, uh, with Dub Dub P is is remarkable. And uh, what a great great honor to have you here. I wanted to. Uh, show you something here that I printed out. Can you read that? Let's see. Yeah, sometimes you don't know exactly what you need. That's why we're here. We'll listen, then point you in the right direction. Powerful. That hit me. And General, General Linnington, that three-liner right there on, was simply on the website of WWP. And what I think is really telling about this organization that started in 2003 is that that to me says it all that sometimes you don't know what the veteran needs, what the family needs, what the kids need. And we, we, we sometimes make assumptions. We know, we think what people need, but it, but I was really struck by that because I had this vision of someone that served perhaps, you know, let's say in OEF and a couple years go by, Things are not going well at home, and they give you a call. They give you offers a call, and you have someone on the other end of the line, or whether it's an email or what have you, and you go from there. And there's so many things that your program really has built over the years, and it's, it's not just mental health. It's physical health. It's economic health, so to speak, and social connections. So 
I wanted to start out in the gate because I'm a function doctor. I'm a physical medicine and rehab doc. So we think about what makes function. It's, it's body, mind, soul, like General Jack Hammond says himself. So I wanted to start with that. It, I just want to get your thoughts on that as someone who sits where you sit for the last few years. Um, and then maybe sort of go into um, how that connects to the home base specific um, expertise that we have. Great quote. I, lo I love the quote and I love the, um, I love the presumption that sometimes you, you don't know when we, we don't know what, what we think we know, we, but we never assume we know what's going on in somebody's life. And, and certainly what are the programs and services we might be able to provide that help them heal mind, body, or spirit. Um, and that's why what I, I was amazed when I got here just a little more than four years ago was the individualized approach to meeting warriors where they are and then helping them through whatever challenges they might have to get to a fully empowered veteran that can lead in their community just as they led when they were in uniform. And that's our connect, serve, empower kind of trilogy. First thing we do is connect, you know, re reestablish those bonds of camaraderie, cohesion, friendship, brotherhood, sisterhood that everybody enjoyed when they were in uniform. Hmm. See what the veteran needs, mind, body, spirit. Sometimes the mind, mind needs, mental health needs are more important than healing physically. Sometimes it's the other way around. <clears throat> and then at the end of the day, after serving in concert with partners and government, non-government agencies, helping that veteran heal, then empower through you know, benefits counseling, jobs programs, and inspire them to then be peer leaders and help other veterans to, 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 to achieve what they've achieved. The flag behind me, I keep behind me because mm. it reminds me of our logo of one warrior carrying another. Right. At any point in our, uh, certainly in our alumni's lives, they're being carried, being helped, being served. Our goal is at the end state, whether that's a year or never, 20 years, 15 years, five years, they're carrying others in a journey of recovery that, that lets them be their full self, whatever, whatever that full self may be, given their physical or uh, physical limitations or mental, mental healing that occurs. Um, and what, one of the things that we have figured out over the years is how mental health is really at the centerpiece of what we do. Mm. I mean, it is, and, it, and it's the area year after year in our surveys comes back as the area of greatest need among the 185,000 of the 3.5 million that served since 9-11, the 185 registered alumni with Wounded Warrior Project, that's their greatest need. Thus our focus on mental health and our partnership with Homebase. So Homebase has been around, like you said, 2008, right? I think the, the ideas started percolating in 07, right, Michael? Um, there's a pre-General Linnington era and then there's a General Linnington. You took that. You took the spot. What, like uh, 2016? Yeah, 2016 in the summer of 16, July of 16. Right. And Michael, I think you predated General Hammond here on the call, right? By a couple of years. I did. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, you know, I've been at Mass General for 20 years, and 
you know, back in 2008, when uh, this idea really started taking off, um, literally over a handshake between the Red Sox ownership and the, and the leadership of Mass General, and, and being able to say, let's do this, uh, I was then called to, to try and help figure out how we were gonna do it. And uh, probably one of the greatest um, privileges of my life to be able to, to you know, assemble a team and, uh, and then build out some healing and hope that I know that either those that we've worked with, our family members, uh, or um, for those that have served, we had wished that something like this was around for previous generations. And I think we've made a lot of mm -hmm. progress. And certainly <clears throat> when I think about General Lennington and, and, and his entire team at Wounded Warrior Project, you know, they, they have been a, a beacon of light um, for our post 9-11 veterans and their family members because they have adapted and, and adapted with us to recognize that the invisible wounds is one of the most significant issues that no one organization, government uh, or private sector can get their hands around, but the private sector needed to get involved. I would love to hear, you know, that concept along with General Hammond's take on that public-private relationship. So how, you know, Wounded Warrior Project you know, oversees or is connected with the four wound, uh, warrior care network organizations, right? So that's us, Rush, Emory, and UCLA, right? Right. So that's kind of our, uh, those are our cousins in a sense, right? So how does, so Michael and, and General Hammond, how, how does what the private sector does in the academic centers in mental health with post-traumatic stress and brain injury, how do we help Wounded Warrior Project? And how in turn do they help us? What's that synergy like in sort of real time? So the, the reality is uh, some of our most successful programs really are the two-week intensive clinical program that was developed a few years back. To be as blunt as possible, we could not have done it without Wounded Warrior Project. We, we bring to the table the academic rigor, the medical uh, depth and resources, the incredible resources, Mass General, Harvard, Spalding. Um, we have all that, um, but we could not have done it without the funds uh, that uh, Mike and the team at Wounded Warrior Project have provided and the depth of resources they have at their disposal. Namely, um, is it, is it, are we over 100,000 now alumni, Mike? 140,000 alumni and 40,000 family members signed up. Three and a half million have served since 9 11. Uh, of those, 56,000 physical injuries, 400,000 invisible wounds were the centerpiece of the centerpiece that th of those that have been wounded, ill, and injured. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a population that uh, really has borne the brunt of our nation's wars the last 20 years. So, when, when I met with our leadership, and, and that's, you know, uh, Peter Slavin, the president of Mass General. Tom Warner, uh, the chairman of the Boston Red Sox, Jack Connors, David Ginsburg. Um, the mandate to me was how, how do we take this really phenomenal program and take it to the next level where we can um, knock down the barriers to care and allow entrance to this program to veterans anywhere that need this critical care. So that, that was what we had to figure out. And, and after a lot of deliberation, we developed a two-week program that enables us to compress two years of therapy into 14 days. Pretty remarkable. But the question is, 
then how do you reach them and how do we fund it? Because it's a big, big, it's a, both are huge bears. And with nearly 200,000 folks affiliated with Wounded Warrior Project, a ground game in all 50 states and four territories, mm. they are the best partner in this. And so they're not just a, like a funder, they're a full-fledged partner because they are able to bring uh, so many business resources, so many people resources, and of course the funds that support this, um, they provide us with critical resources that enable us to do what we do is take folks that um, we're able to connect to care anywhere, frankly, in the world, bring them to Boston for two weeks, and then unleash those amazing resources that we have to bring to bear on that. And then when these great warriors finish up with us, then we can, we can transition as many of them as possible back into the wounded warrior system um, for that, that, that full, you know, for a bad analogy, cradle to grave support that they'll get for the rest of their life through peer support. And, and as Mike aptly pointed out with their logo, so hopefully at some point they go from being the warrior being carried off the field to the warrior carrying another warrior that needs yeah. some help. And, oh. and that whole mindset is what I love most about Wounded Warrior Project. Um, when you make that transition, because as we see them graduate from our program, they want to give back. How do I help? And, you know, and frankly, we tell them, keep getting better. And if you, if you have a fellow warrior that needs help, get them connected to us, uh, you know, in the short term. As they, as, they, as they heal and they continue to grow, then we look for them to transition to the warrior that, that's on the bottom. Um, you know, we know in life, we have these memories that kind of sear into your brain. And, and, and one of my seared memories in a very positive way with General Lennington was when he came in uh, and, and he was um, you know, relatively, I think Mike, you were uh, maybe about a year and a half into your leadership of Wounded Warrior Project. And he, he attended one of our first graduations. And um, you know, General Lennington, you, you've led uh, our service members from as young as cadets at West Point uh, through multiple deployments. And, and in an instant for me, when I saw through your eyes what you saw at that graduation, um, it, 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 was, it was really that moment of that warrior coming from uh, being carried to, to carrying someone else. And, and I wonder uh, what was going through your head at that moment. Yeah, it, I remember that was a seminal moment in my uh, four years at Wounded Warrior Project. Uh, Michael, I will tell you, when the warriors at the end of the two weeks stand up and give their testimonial of what they just went through, it's not easy on them to do so. But it, but it really is, I think, the beginning of the rest of their lives, having having gone through the program for two weeks in, in a cohort. And by the way, tons of secret sauce at home base. The secret sauce for me is the cohort, right? Um, people say, well, why do we even need a home base? You know, isn't this the VA's responsibility? Isn't this government's responsibility? Well, it is, but the VA treats individuals. Home base treats the individual and the family and the cohort. And if you think about our time in uniform, you don't do anything individually. You're in a cohort. And the, and the two-week intensity of the program with individual therapy, group therapy, yoga, tai chi, I mean, you name it, mindfulness, yeah. uh, off-duty activities, time at the hotel at night in a group, that kind of accountability and healing and brotherhood, sisterhood in with these groups, it's... 
I can't even I can't even describe it. I mean, I get choked up. I'm getting choked up now just thinking about it. To hear veterans stand up and say, "I've tried everything. I've been to multiple programs. I've done inpatient. I've done outpatient. I've done government, non-government. I've done sub, I've done it all. Nothing has worked. But this works for me and my family." Mm is to me um that that to me was the light that said let's let's see if we can even do more with our partnership at home base and with the other partners in the warrior care network because what we bring jack described our ground game and our our ability to reach we don't have clinical programs outside of what we offer through home base and our warrior care network so a lot of people misperceive Wounded Warrior Project as being a bunch of clinics where warriors get treat, treated. We don't have clinics with doctors in the clinics. We partner with you to provide that service. So it's the best symbiotic relationship of meeting warriors where they are and helping them heal of anything I know. And I've been around government for a very long time. <laughs> it is the best program I know of. Well, thank you for those words so much. And it's been you know, a testament to this, what we're talking about, this symbiotic uh, uh, partnership over years. It doesn't happen overnight. And um, Wounded Warrior Project is a trusted go-to. And then you go from there. Um, and I think that that is a skill. And that's something that is, happens on the ground, but also happens at the higher levels. Um, you mentioned secret sauce. And is it really a surprise that it's a secret? And I asked you that, um, General Linnington, specifically, because I know, as Michael just mentioned, you were at West Point. And before that, you were in a, a, a military academy before that. The, the cohort probably shouldn't surprise you, of all people, that may have carried others on your back, literally and figure, figuratively. Um, when you look behind you and, and you see that flag behind you and you think about the cohort and men and women supporting each other, um, is it personal? Do you think about your own service? It is personal for me. Uh, and it's actually what drew me to Wounded Warrior Project in 2016 was having my last two jobs in the Pentagon. One was the commander of the military district of Washington and one was the military deputy to the undersecretary for personnel and readiness, which included the whole healthcare portfolio, the defense health agency and all the military health system. Mm -hmm. Seeing, seeing the, the, the physical and emotional impact of war on those young men and women that serve. And then, you know, seeing what, 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 the, what they struggle with when they get home. And frankly, seeing the benefit, seeing the, um, the programs and services that Wounded Warrior Project provided at the hospital in the military district of Washington with folks that were in my unit previously was what drew me to WWP. And for me, it was really just an extension of my service. Mm -hmm. And I knew a lot of the, the teammates, colleagues at WWP that were in my former units because we're about half military of the 720 employees I knew we had good people and I knew the product was great. Um, and I knew that it was an organization that there was, there was great need. There was some question as to back to um, what, what Jack and Michael talked about. When I got here, the Warrior Care Network and really the investment in home base was a pilot because a lot of folks didn't believe you could do what home base was accomplishing in two weeks. 
So we didn't really have the outcomes. We didn't have the data to suggest we could expand the pilot. But boy, right, I guess, I think it was around, about the end of the three-year pilot, uh, Jack and Michael, I'm not sure. But about the end of the three-year pilot is where the data started proving people wrong that were saying, oh, you can't do this in two weeks. It's impossible. You know, you need the, you need longitudinal time with the counselors. And uh, you know, I'm sure there were questions about doing group cohorts as well. But the data is what really blew us away um, that showed the uh, reductions in suicidality primarily, um, the increase in resilience. And, and it was sticking long after graduating from the program. So that's what led us as a group with our board support to expand the program. And hopefully in the, in the years to come, continue to expand the program until we're serving as many warriors as we possibly can. General Hammond, did you think that that was, uh, was that a surprise when we saw that the data was showing what we had hoped? We, we, we knew, we knew um, because we saw the folks and every two weeks, we have roughly 24 veterans go through this program. Um, and, and one of the things I, I like to say to them each time is we're, we're here on behalf of a grateful nation to demonstrate our support for you. We were able to provide you some of the best resources, but the reality is they put the work in, we give them the tools to reclaim their lives. And, and we see this time and again. So we knew instinctively it was working the question was, was it working long-term and do we have the data point measures to, to basically prove it as evidence-based care versus evidence-informed? Um, but I think going back to why, why, are we, why do we have this public-private partnership? And, and it's to cut through the baloney, to get to things quickly. Um, you know, this is not a slam on the VA, but they were ill-equipped to take on this challenge because in the 1990s, the VA transitioned into more of a geriatric care uh, system, taking care of our, our, our aging out Vietnam and, Korea, and World War II and Korean War veterans. You know, folks that they have been treating since the 40s, you know, young men that were now in their 70s, 80s, and 90s. And so because that was the target population and our Vietnam population was now getting up into their high 50s and, and low 60s, this was becoming, and they were focusing on chronic care, such as heart disease, cancer, and things of that nature. Um, when 9-11 when hit, they had to try and do a 180 in, in, in a government bureaucracy that's not suited for that. Um, programs like Wounded Warrior and Home Base then developed to meet that gap in care and, and treatment and support that just didn't exist and couldn't be, just couldn't just pop up out of, private, out of the government. It needed to be from the private sector. But, but they needed folks that had that innovative spirit. And, and, and a lot of people don't know it, but when, you know, Mike, Mike and I first met overseas, and I, I remember it very distinctly because I was on a, a reconnaissance, for, I was taking over command of the Kabul province region, and I was on a recon back in uh, November 2011 for the month, and I was banging my head against the wall because as the incoming commander, I saw this monumental challenge to secure the capital province and nobody would listen to me. I, I mean, I talked to everybody I could. And on the last night after being there 30 days, I got a message that General Linnington wanted to meet with me and he sent an armored car over to come pick me up and bring me to ISAF headquarters. And at nine o'clock at night, I gave him a thumbnail sketch of my plan. Mm. Um, and after 20 minutes, he said, we've been looking at the same problem. 
can you give me a set of PowerPoint slides? And I started laughing because my bags were packed. I didn't have anything. And he said, here, use my computer. And I had a couple of my senior leaders with me. And in the next 20 minutes, we just drew up five PowerPoint slides. And he said, can you brief this? And I said, yeah, when do you want me to do that? And he said, well, now. <laughs> and he walked me upstairs to the four-star commander, General Rodriguez, who was the commander of all of Afghanistan. And wow. we gave a briefing and the plan was approved. Uh, and so seeing how a senior leader recognized, you know, a solution and then immediately taking it to the highest level based on the urgency that was needed really spoke volumes of Mike and then the leadership at ISAF. But he brings that same innovative spirit, that same cut to the, cut through all the baloney and get to what do we need to do? And let's do it. Let's not let's not staff this thing to death. Once we have enough um, evidence to show that this is an informed decision, Let's give it a try. And if it doesn't work, we'll modify it. And we'll, we'll keep, but better than not doing anything. When we have people that are, are, are dying, um, 22 a day, um, families that are being destroyed in the wake of these deaths. Uh, and so Wounded Warrior has, has been uh, such a great partner in looking at innovative new ideas, because if we had, if the system was perfect, then Home Base wouldn't be here and Wounded Warrior Project wouldn't be here. And until it gets to that point where the government can catch up to support these, and I don't see that ever happening because some of the deepest resources do come from the academic centers. And that's why when you saw in World War II, you know, they reached back to places like MIT and Lincoln Labs to come up with radar and things like that. You know, it, that's when we, you know, that's those partnership and that's why they're, they're so excellent. Uh, mm -hmm. Let the government do what they're very good at, um, but then you let innovation take us to the next level and then gov our government can adopt it with the, with the dedicated long-term resources. General Linnington, why did you send the armored car? Jack was in order to recon. We were having a horrible time. I think it was 11 bases or something you were responsible for in uh, RCC, right, Jack? Yeah. 11 bases, a lot of suicide bombings, a lot of, a lot of attacks uh, on the routes between the bases. And Jack was coming in as the commander of, a, I think, a maneuver enhanced brigade to really take over the whole C2 of all the 11 bases versus the the kind of whack-a-mole approach we had been taking up until that point. So Jack brought in a uh, brought in his brigade for a full year, I think, Jack, and uh, really took on this Herculean challenge. But Jack's plan of, I think, nesting nesting the infrastructure of the different bases together and responding in a more co uh, coordinated way with a command and control network that, that controlled it versus individual bases with individual nations uh, just made it all work. And, and we fight as allies. Why not secure ourselves as allies? And I know we lost a lot of troops in uh, 11 and 12 while you were there, Jack. But um, I had left. I was there from uh, 9 to 11 and left shortly after spending some time with Jack. To give a good postscript to this, because we were able to get this set up and implemented um, halfway through my deployment, we had two catastrophic events that, we, that, that this came into play. The first um, was an 18-hour attack on the U.S. Embassy in Kabul. And, you know, it didn't get a lot of play for some reason, but our U.S. Embassy was under attack for 18 hours, and we had to coordinate the response to that. Um, the, the second was one of the largest losses of life in a single incident with a mass casualty suicide bomb uh, that hit one of our Rhino buses and claimed 17 of our troops in one explosion and five mm -hmm. Afghans. But again, having the ability to coordinate resources very quickly um, based on the support we got from ISAF 
we were able to respond to that and, and, and you know, protect and, and eventually suppress that, that the attack on the embassy and secure all our, our people and limit, you know, the casualties. Because what I'm, what I'm amazed with here in this conversation is, is very uh, much appreciated and I'm, I, I'm learning as well. But I'm also struck by the analogy here of the fact that this is a symbiotic relationship. You see the power of home base. You see the power of the warrior care network that can do on the ground what is needed to be done. And you offer that support. And it's really the same thing. And it's, it's, uh, it's years later and we're treating transition. We're treating that problem with our veterans. But um, I, I wanted to commend both of you because that, that really began in 2011, but almost 10 years, 10 years later, I, I think we're seeing a very similar dynamic actually. Um, probably sparing well, a few details there. Yeah, one more quick thing to Jack's point. The government is not, is not a, there, there are new pieces of the government that, that solve problems quickly, but the government bureaucracy with a one or two year budget cycle and is not well suited to rapid change to meet evolving needs. And that's what Homebase did, Yeah, was come up with a, a, a rapid solution to a near-term need. And what we did at Wounded Warrior Project was help reinforce it and, and resource it. And obviously, it met the need of thousands of the warriors that are signed up with us that needed clinical treatment. Yeah. That this is our solution to the clinical treatment needs of the wounded ill and injured service members we serve for invisible wounds and TBI, TBI and PTSD. So I wanted to hear from, from all of you and maybe start with, with Michael about um, the home base pivoting within, in the world of COVID and the treatment of veterans and the need for veterans and their families doesn't go away with a pandemic. Sometimes it might even get worse. And so I think that when we uh, understandably, this country looks at COVID as the primary problem that affects all of us, um, it's easy for people to have other things take a back seat. Yeah, so Ron, I mean, I think um, it is not an understatement to say that um, COVID is going to cause uh, more challenges for our active duty service members and, and our veterans in, in the months and years to come. <clears throat> and we're, we're already seeing some evidence of that, even through some initial reports out of the DOD that has shown a 20% increase in suicide just in this period of time for, for active duty members. You know, and, and one of the themes that we've talked about with both uh, Wounded Warrior Project and Home Base is you've got to be agile. Um, and so you know, we were very well set up uh, at home base for um, the impact of COVID, particularly on a regional basis, at least in terms of um, New England, where, um, you know, if, if for folks who haven't been to our National Center of Excellence, it, it, it truly is and was funded by a grateful nation, but it's cutting edge. And so we're in an environment where we're highly mobile. And so the ability to adapt and, and essentially have our staff members have all of the technology that they needed to flip into telehealth, um, which we have been doing on a, on a modest basis, was literally in a 24-hour period. 
And so, you know, for us, you know, the ability to deliver care, and there's a lot of evidence and there's a lot of research that says you can deliver very effective care through telehealth was, was um, a flip of a switch for, for our, our folks. Um, and that's through our outpatient programs. You know, with our national programs like the two-week program, um, that became a little bit more of a challenge because, as we all know, you know, all of our states shut down. So travel for about a three-month period of time was, was really inhibited. But for us, you know, I think, and I, and I know General Lennington and his team have done the same, you know, you've got to hold people even closer during that time uh, and let them know and support them in ways until we can reopen. And, and as soon as our uh, Commonwealth's uh, rules allowed, we, we did so with the two-week program in July and then got up to full capacity by, by August so that we could welcome back our veterans from all over the U.S. Uh, to, to begin that treatment again. The, the backlog of folks that needed our help, and, and as Mike Allard pointed out, um, you know, we, we knew it instinctively, but DOD came up with uh, findings that there's been a 20% increase in active duty suicides from March to September. Um, that, that's the hard point data that shows us that. And, and we know that, you know, that, that's very consistent with what we see in the veteran population writ large. And what we hear from our folks, it, you know, post-traumatic stress is, is an injury of avoidance um, and people retract. Well, what happens when you completely retract and you lose all contact with people because you're, you're sheltering in place? Uh, th those symptoms get much worse and then all of a sudden, you have all the economic stresses, uh, the, the racial um, um, challenges that we're encountering. Um, so when you have the COVID challenge, the racial challenges that are erupting all over the place, the economic challenges um, on top of uh, a great deal of uh, untreated un, un, uh, mental uh, health issues or brain health issues, um, that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, Michael, uh, you had mentioned that one of the goals of home base during COVID is really to keep people close. So I wonder, General Linnington, from, from your standpoint at WWP, how do you keep people close during these times? As uh, Jack said, and in fact, just a month before COVID, I testified to the House and Senate Veterans Affairs Committee about isolation and mental health being a uh, uh, a disease of avoidance. I, I said uh, pretty, pretty firmly that isolation uh, was a killer and COVID-19 further exacerbated the isolation and social distancing uh, in our warrior population that had really deleterious effects on them and their families. And we saw, I think a 30 or 40% increase in requests for uh, mental health services uh, assistance with domestic issues, with, with substance abuse issues, with uh, financial stress, some of the COVID-related uh, financial stress among our families and our caregivers. There's another big group that we serve. Um, a lot of our warriors lost their jobs. Um, many, of their, many of those that weren't working, their spouse lost a job. So when you start coupling all that together and then you throw the uh, social unrest on top of it, um, we were really challenged in, uh, in April with how do we increase connection with those we serve and keep them connected with each other. Right. But I think as um, <clears throat> Michael said, we, were, we had made investments in our IT infrastructure uh, 
years ago that really paid dividends when we needed it most. Mm -hmm. So within a period of about three weeks, we shifted all of our connection programs, which are usually done in person, in groups, in communities all across the country to virtual connections uh, that started to pay dividends. And we actually saw an increase in the number of warriors that we connected because the, the burdens of getting there or the burdens of traveling or the burdens of, of having to overcome, you know, childcare issues or whatever was, uh, were, were uh, disappeared. And yep. oh, by the way, we saw a 40% increase in our women veterans participation in some of our engagement events, which was really, really, really helpful. So that was the silver lining in a very dark cloud. Much like home base, we've now shifted back to a combination of in-person and tele, mm. tele um, service delivery, harvesting the great, uh, the great connections and the great lessons learned from COVID as the numbers decrease and state rules support gradual in-person return to programming with, with proper masking and social distancing. Um, we're doing that now. Um, but, but during this period, we couldn't, have we couldn't have served the warriors that were struggling with their, with their emotional issues without increasing uh, assignment of our people to some of our internal programs and increasing our referrals to home base for them to use their telemedicine um, approach to serving them. And as, as Jack said, we're now really proud to be back to doing um, full program referrals with in-person attendance at the home base program with, uh, I think nearly 500 warriors already served. Well, it's a, it's a really fascinating time. Uh, it's a sad time. It's, uh, it's been one of these most, one of the most isolated yet oddly connected times in our lives. Um, and I only hope there's going to be some way of balancing all that, uh, the in-person secret sauce, uh, as well as, uh, connecting people like we are, like we're talking right now. Um, but thank you so much. Thank you, General Hammond. Thank you, Michael. Um, when are you guys going to see each other again, you think? Uh, In person? Within, within uh, well, definitely before uh, the Eagles win the Super Bowl. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, we'd love um, to have you at another graduation, of course. And uh, the most poignant, the most poignant uh, events uh, I go to are those graduations. And they are unbelievable. Thank you to our guest, Lieutenant General Retired Mike Linnington, for your service to this country, both overseas and here at home, in order to command the best possible care for our veterans and their families. Homebase is joined by three other academic medical centers, making up the Warrior Care Network. So the other three partners are Operation MEND at UCLA Health, the Road Home Program at Rush University Medical Center, and the Emory Healthcare Veterans Program. We all have a common mission to support our veterans and military families impacted by the invisible wounds of war at no cost. For more information about Homebase and to see how you can help, go to homebase.org slash homebasenation. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. And before we go, I have an announcement. We have a brand new Homebase online company store Yes, this is home-based swag for you and yours, and all proceeds are to benefit the care provided to our veterans and their families. So show your support by visiting store.homebase.org to order your branded apparel and accessories. Thanks.